0: Well, it's Easter. Uh, I call it Resurrection Day because, well, we don't celebrate a bunny. We celebrate a king. And um, I'm a little old school sometimes. So um, I had someone come up to me uh, last week and say, are you ready for the Super Bowl? I, I actually think he said, are you ready for your Super Bowl? And I was like, I don't play football. What are you talking about? And he said, you know, Easter? And I was like, oh, Easter. Yeah, I'll be ready. And yesterday morning, I thought I was ready. Yesterday morning, I thought I was ready. Until I came over to Saturday morning prayer. Every Saturday, we, we meet as a team to pray and as a church to pray for our service on Sunday morning. Uh, we meet at, at 9 o'clock on, on Saturday mornings if anyone ever wants to join us. It's a, it's a great time. Unless God speaks back to you, which he did yesterday, which when I say God speaks, um, I just, as a, as a minister, and, and I realize that that's kind of weird language to say God spoke to me. Um, I didn't hear of a voice, but I felt in my spirit, the Holy Spirit said to me, you know that message that you've been working on all week? Yeah, that's not for tomorrow. <laughs> what? I mean, all week, God. Anybody ever talk back to God when you're praying? That's that's what prayer is. And I said, what do you mean? All week, God. He's like, I got a better one for you. And in that moment, I would have been terrified if he didn't say, here's one for you. And so I got up from prayer, and I went home, and I immediately started writing. And what took me all week took me about three hours yesterday, Um, because God has something that he wants to communicate to you. Now, I realize that um, not every church talks this way. I I realize that, and that's okay. Maybe you've gone to other churches that don't talk about God speaking. We believe that God speaks through his Holy Spirit, and he moves, and he has a, a message for every person that's in this room. It's a a message that he has specifically for you. And I believe that so much that 24 hours ago, I went home and I started writing a whole new sermon, a whole new message. And um, if you want to follow along with today's notes, you can uh, follow along in the UVersion Bible app. The screens on my side tell you how to get there. Um, It's an app on your, your cell phone, your smart device. Uh, You can download it. You can go into the events portion of the app, and you can find all of today's notes. And you'll even find part of the sermon that I previously wrote, because something happened in the app, and the whole thing's there. So if you really just need a lot of Jesus today, just go home and just read all those notes. It was a good message. It just wasn't for today. (laughs) I'm so glad that you're with us. My friend Dave read... For you, John chapter 20. And um, from it, I get today's big idea for the message. And our big idea is if I had one thing that I want every person to go home with, it's this one thing, this one thing. And today's big idea, like Easter is a big deal, right? Like, like, it's such a big deal that like we have a theme for Easter. We don't have a theme every Sunday. Don't start thinking we're going to have a theme every Sunday. We're going to have a message with a title and a series that we're doing, but we're not going to have a theme. Like, we have a theme for Easter. Our theme for Easter is death to death and life to life. Because the big idea for today is that (coughs) faith that Jesus put death to death will bring life to your life. Faith that Jesus put death to death will bring life into your life. We just want you to experience true life this morning. Death is the supreme enemy of humanity. The supreme enemy of humanity. But Jesus put death to death. Jesus defeated our enemy. And order to give us victory, Jesus ain't selfish. He shares his victory with other people. He doesn't do it like me when I, when I do something great and go, did you see what I did? <laughs> Man, I, I smoked that dude or whatever it was that I did. I've not smoked any dudes in my life. <laughs> He's not like me. He doesn't say, look what I did. He says, it can be yours too. This morning, it's about Jesus. But you know what it's more about? It's more about you. And that's when I start to get emotional because we have to make that connection. Like, if we just, if we just, go on with our with our lives and with our day and not allow the greatest story ever written to impact our lives then we'll waste our life. We'll just we'll just end up defeated by the enemy, which is death. But God came to destroy the enemy, but not just to destroy the enemy, but to share with you victory over our enemy. Is anybody with me this morning? Can I tell you something about faith? Because it requires faith in our hearts, believing that Jesus died and rose from the dead by actually believing that. And how can a man come back to life that was dead? That's a big that's a big belief. I don't ignore the fact that my faith is stupid to some people. My faith that I have in Jesus, listen, it's not natural to die and come back to life. It's supernatural. And the only way Jesus could do it is because he was who he said he was, which was the son of God. Faith is hard. That's okay. It's okay, to be, it's, it's okay to believe that faith is difficult because I want you to know this morning that faith is humanly impossible. To actually believe that Jesus was a man that lived and walked on this earth that died a brutal death on a cross. And you can look back at Roman history and you can see how the Romans would torture the criminals on the cross. Historically proven that the Roman government would torture men, and Jesus was a criminal of Rome, but he was a criminal because the leading priests had had paid off Rome, and it was the religious people that put Jesus on the cross, and It takes an immense amount of faith, which is not humanly possible, for me to believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave. Faith isn't humanly possible. But Pastor Adam, why or how could you possibly believe that Jesus was a man that rose from the dead? And that's because the Holy Spirit has revealed it to me. We have prayed, we have cried, we have been on our knees, so that the Holy Spirit, begging the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to you today. But listen, what I'm selling is humanly impossible for you to buy. You need the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. I'm going to do my best to share with you a message of love, a message of hope, a message of peace, a message of victory. But unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you, you'll walk out here the same person that you walked in, and that's not our desire. The apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15:14. He said, "And if Christ has been raised from if Christ has been raised, then all our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. The resurrection of Jesus is the nucleus of Christianity. It's what everything hangs upon. If we don't believe that Jesus came back from the dead, then what do we believe? The Apostle Paul wrote that it's the most important piece of our faith. The resurrection that you can have life. That Jesus defeated the enemy of death. And the enemy that goes along with it, which is sin. The stuff that we don't like to talk about. Because that's when it really gets personal. But Jesus put to death every enemy of mankind when he came up out of the grave. The only way that someone lives forever is isn't it if they don't die. It's if they come back to, de- to life after they've de- died. The, the book of Hebrews chapter 9 says that it's appointed unto man once to die. Everyone has to die. Everyone is going to die. Listen, mankind has been trying to figure out for centuries how not to die. We've all seen Indiana Jones in the last crusade. <laughs> and all the people under the age of 30 just went, Who? You know Indiana Jones, the guy that was searched for the Holy Grail to try to drink out of it to bring him life? We've we've been trying to figure out how to live forever. But ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know this morning that we've been trying to figure out the wrong thing. We don't have to figure out how to live forever. We have to figure out how to come back. It's not about It's not about the the, the death. It's about the comeback. It's about coming back from from when you're defeated. It's not about failing. You're going to fail. Pastor Adam. shouldn't you be more positive on Easter Sunday? I'm positive you're going to (laughs) fail. You're going to die. We're all going to die. But we can live again. My friend Dave read the resurrection story from John chapter 20, verse 1 through 18 he read. In John chapter 20, the disciple known as John writes the account of the resurrection. It's his version, the story. There are four other gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four gospels give an account of the resurrection. Four different men, all the same story. In in John's gospel, he includes three people in, in his account of the resurrection. The first person that he includes is this woman by the name of Mary Magdalene. The second one is Peter, and the third one is a unnamed disciple who Jesus loved. For the rest of our time this morning, I want to talk about those three people. Now, I understand that there were angels and there was Jesus in the story. We're just going to, we're, we're not going to put them to side. We're just going to understand that Jesus is the center figure. He is the one that the story is about. But I want to look at the other three people. Thank you. I want to look at the other three people. Mary Magdalene, peter and the disciple jesus loved the first one i want to look at is this guy by the name of peter simon peter is an interesting guy he was passionate i don't know anything about this guy i'm just kidding it was a joke it was a bad joke i get it i'm a passionate person i don't know if you know this he was passionate One minute, he was cutting off the centurion's ear that had come to to arrest Jesus. And the next minute, he is denying that he even knows Jesus. Three times, Peter said, I don't know that guy. Who are you talking about? I don't know him. And I was thinking this, I was thinking yesterday as I rewrote my message, I was thinking, how could someone that was with uh, another man for 3 years for so long how how could he deny that that, that that he knew this guy and then it hit me jesus was on trial he was on trial for proclaiming to be the son of god i was thinking about jesus trial and i thought you know this would have been a high profile case which we know nothing about in america I mean, Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, they would have all carried the, the trial of Jesus. You couldn't have gotten on Facebook and seen anything about the trial. Like, like, it was everywhere. And what were the people yelling about Jesus? What were they yelling? They were yelling, crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. He's guilty. What do you think the media coverage would have been? Oh, I don't know. They probably would have said crucify him. Why do you think Peter denied even knowing Jesus? Because everyone else was yelling crucify do No, I don't, I don't know that guy. It makes sense when you make it personal. It makes sense when you make it personal. Peter says, I don't know that guy. Who are you talking about? Three different times. But then Mary, after Jesus goes to the cross and they take him to the tomb, Mary comes to visit the grave of Jesus. But what does she see? The stone has rolled away. And she goes and she looks inside. He's not there. And so where does she go? She runs and she tells this guy by the name of Simon. Simon. And this guy, the disciple that Jesus loved. She tells those two knuckleheads, the stone is rolled away. Can you imagine the emotion that Peter was thinking? You know what I think? I actually think that Peter went back to the angry Peter at the garden where where he cut the centurions off. The centurion's ear off. A centurion is just a Roman soldier. And so he, he, I think he went back to that because in the, at the peak of tragedy, we don't go to our offense. We go to the person that the tragedy affects. And he went straight to his thought on Jesus. And so he runs. He starts to run with his buddy whose name is, well, we don't know yet. He's the disciple of that Jesus loved. Who is he? What's his name? The no-name disciple. If you've been coming to the refuge very long, you know that I always say this. Anytime scripture leaves out a name in a story, it is so that I can easily place my name in his place. And so, the woman at the well, I can put my name where she's at. The the man that was that was crippled that was ra- that was lowered into the house where Jesus was was teaching, and he was he was healed so that he could walk again. I can easily place my name in their stories because they don't have a name at all. The widow's mite that gave everything that she had when she gave just two little coins. I can place my name in their story. And so, the disciple Jesus loved, as you read the resurrection story, it is my desire that you place your name where that disciple is at, knowing that he calls you the disciple that Jesus loved. You're the one that he loves, but this particular no-name disciple is different than everyone else because we never find out the woman at the well's name. We never find out the woman with the issue of blood's name. We never find anything out about her name. But we do the one of the disciple who Jesus loved. Look at John chapter 21, verse 20 through 24. <coughs> Peter turned around and saw behind him, behind them, the disciple. Jesus loved the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return. What is that to you? The disciple is the one who testifies of these, th- these events and has recorded them here. Where's here? Here's the book of John. The one that's writing the story is the one that the, disci- that the disciple that Jesus loved. Why didn't John write his name John? Everyone else did it. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. What's John's problem? Does he want to conceal his identity? Here's what I believe. John understood that his most important identity was not in his name. It was in the love that Jesus had for him. Your most important identity today is that Jesus loves you so much that he died in your place so that you can defeat the enemy of death. The last person. In this story is a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene. She might be the most powerful of all. Mary Magdalene, we don't know a whole lot about her, but we know she's a woman. That's about it. We know that she was probably from a city called Magdala. And there have been a lot of labels slapped on Mary Magdalene over the years. None of them of which are in this book. We know that she had seven demons, according to Luke chapter 8. She had seven demons in her that Jesus um, eradicated from her body. And that moment was so powerful in her life that she left and started following Jesus with the disciples. And she was a follower of Jesus that followed him closely. That's about all we know about Mary Magdalene, but the one thing we do know is that she was female, and that is extremely significant to the story of the resurrection. Pastor Adam, why is that ex- significant to our story? Historians today say that <coughs> if you were making up the story of the resurrection, you would not have chosen a female to be the first person to discover the empty tomb. But yet all four Gospels, every single man that wrote the account of the resurrection story included a female finding the empty tomb. Jesus appeared to hundreds of people in his 40 days after after being alive from the grave. Why? Why? Why do they include females going to the empty tomb? Dr. William Lane Craig explains it this way. When you understand the role of women, now let me just be real clear, real quick. This is gonna offend some of you, but don't get lost in the offense and understand what God is trying to communicate, okay? Because culture I'm about to preach now. <laughs> culture tells you that you have to look inside of you to discover who you are. That's what culture says. But that's impossible, because you were created to do life with other people and with God. You were created for relationship with your creator. And so what culture says, look deep inside of you and discover who you are and who you want to be and then project that to the world and tell them that's who you are. No, 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 no. My God says look into this book to discover who I am. So this quote, it'll offend you. But what I want you to see is I want you to see what culture said about women back back then. Culture evolves. God doesn't. Culture changes. God never does. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, he said. So let's look at the quote again. Sorry. Dr. William Lame Craig explains it this way. When you understand the role of a woman in the first century Jewish society, that's really extra- what's really extraordinary is that this empty tomb story should— should feature women as the discoverers of the empty tomb in the first place. Women were a very low rung on the social ladder in the first century Israel. There are old rabbinic sayings that would say this, let the words of the law be burned rather than delivered to a woman. And blessed is he whose child is a male, but woe to him whose children are female. I told you it was offensive. Women, women's testimony was regarded as worthless, so worthless that women weren't even allowed to serve as legal witnesses in Jewish court of law. In light of this, it is absolutely remarkable that the chief witnesses of the empty tomb are these women Any later legendary account would have certainly portrayed male disciples as discovering the tomb. God always goes against culture. And when we understand that we are who he says we are, that he died to give us life by coming up out of the grave to share it with us, we discover who we're meant to be. Simon Peter, the disciple Jesus loved, Mary Magdalene, all three people had a personal encounter with Jesus at this moment, on that resurrection day. Our desire is that you would have a personal encounter with Jesus on this resurrection day. Japanese author, Shisuku Endo wrote a book called A Life of Jesus in 1978. This is what Endo said. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you will be forced to believe that something hit the disciples that was every bit of amazing. Maybe different, yet of equal force in its electrifying intensity. For if we try to explain the changed lives of the early Christians, you will find yourself making leaps of faith as great as if you had believed in the resurrection to start with. When you look at the changed lives of the disciples, you can't help but to say, this stuff's real this stuff's real the question for you is simple what say you what do you say do me a favor stand to your feet I want to pray with you real quick. I want to pray with you. What do you say this morning? Look deep inside of you right now. You can close your eyes to do it if you want to. You don't have to deep inside of you and ask yourself, what do I think about this? This Jesus that he speaks of. Maybe you're you're here and you've actually at some point in your life came to know Jesus as your Savior, but you've gotten off the path. You've gone away. You've gotten out of church. Would today be the day that you return? Because life is so much better. Doing it with people that love what we love. Would you fall in love with him today? Because he Ready, falling in love with you. When I pray, I want to give you an opportunity to come to him, to come to him just as you are, that you would have that personal relationship. say this prayer with me, we just ask as you fill out that connection card at the seat in front of you, mark on it, I'm committing to follow Jesus. Because you can't do it alone, and we want to help you. We understand that. We want to help you with it. Then take it to the guest services, or you can drop it in the black box. And if you've already filled out a card, fill out another one, because that's the better one. Because we want to know. I mean it. We want to know about your relationship with Jesus. If you want to say that prayer with me, I'm going to ask everyone in the room right now to say this prayer with me. Say it out loud. I get saved every morning as I go to Jesus and I say, God. So I'm going to ask you to repeat after me, everyone where you stand, say, God, I need you. I believe that Jesus was your son who died for me and came back from the grave to give me life. I need you, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come into my life and help me live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer and you believed it in your heart, you are saved. And God is so good. And so we're going to sing a song. This is going to be very special. You can sit down if you want to. You don't have to stand the whole time. But let me tell you, this, it's a good day.